Thank you, Colonial Hills Baptist Church Youth Choir. Thank you for being with us. Let's take our Bibles this morning. Go to Luke chapter 5 in your Bibles, if you would. Luke chapter 5 is where I will be at this morning. Oh, that's right. If you're in first through first through sixth or first through first through sixth. Yeah. First through sixth, junior church, you know what to do. And some of the Colonial Hills teens are going to be leading that group as well. Luke chapter 5, and uh, this has been an exciting year for us as a church. 2022 has been different. It's amazing how new uh, routines are established, how quickly old routines and old habits can dissipate. New routines can be established. Uh, we haven't had a vacation Bible school in a few years, going back to 2019, a little before that. And uh, last week we had special meetings with Dr. John Getch, and we hadn't had special meetings, revival meetings since 2019 as well. Of course, 2020, we all remember it. It changed a lot of things, uh, changed a lot of habits that we had. We established some new habits. Maybe some old habits that were bad went away, and new habits that were good took their place. And in other times, other places, maybe Old habits that were good went away, and new habits that were bad replaced those good habits. And so this year's been unique for our church, um, uh, and it's been busy. I think in some ways we're a little out of the routine of things. Uh, I was just uh, thinking about ladies' conference. We were able to have that this year, and then mission trips. And uh, Pastor Scott has been all over the place, and some of you have gone with him, uh, going back to the Dominican trip. And um, serving over there with our missionary, Wes Lane, and his wife, Melina, and then New York City. They went to New York City, and then just this last week, they were in Peru for 10 days. And uh, these are all very exciting things. I thought of the couples retreat this year. We were able to have the couples retreat at the beginning of May. We hadn't had that in a few years, just because of all the things that have been going on in the world. And then camp. Our teens went to the wilds, and uh, they went to Cedar Point here this last Thursday. Uh, and then our juniors went to Camp Kobiak, and there's just all kinds of things coming and going and what's next. And now here we are, Vacation Bible School, Volcano Island, and uh, Pastor Hamilton is here with his, his, his uh, teens and some of his teens. And they're singing and they're teaching in Sunday school, and, and they've transformed our fellowship hall into an amazing place, an exciting place for our young people who are going to be there this week. We've Passed out over 2,000 uh, invitations in our community to, for children to come, parents to bring their children. I'm excited about Wednesday in particular, a family day. Now, if you're here and you're single, the family day on Wednesday is for you too, okay? So make sure that you come. You don't have to have children to be here. You can be a grandparent or, or you can be single, uh, but you need to be here on, on Wednesday. It's going to be a great day. We're looking forward to it. But But we've got We've got all of these things taking place, and I would ask the question this morning, well, what is the point? What is the point of all of this? What is the point of this busyness? Uh, what is the point of, of Pastor Hamilton leading uh, these teenagers to leave Indianapolis, Indiana, and come up to Flushing, Michigan? What is the point? I can remember growing up in Pastor Scott's youth group and him leading us all over uh, creation, it seemed like. There was always something happening, and and I'm so thankful for that. And even Pastor Hamilton, I was reminded this morning and said it to you of my time in Pastor Scott's youth group and him, him leading me and stretching me and sometimes telling me, hey, you're preaching. And I was like, no, no. And he'd say, yes, you are. And that's the way it was. But I'm thankful for that. If that hadn't happened, I don't know that I would be preaching today. And there were times where he would say, hey, you're singing in this group. And I had no confidence in singing whatsoever. I didn't want to be in front of people at all. I didn't want to sing at all. And uh, with my parents' encouragement to do that and Pastor Scott's encouragement and leadership in my life to do that, it's now a part of my life. And I'm teaching my children to do the same things. Uh, so these are the things that are happening. And this week, we're gonna be, we, we've already reached out and we'll continue to do that to our community. We're, we're praying that God will bring young people here some to hear the gospel for the very first time. Some who have heard the gospel, but yet have not received the gospel. And then this teen group, and we're so thankful for you coming, but I'm praying that this was, is going to be a, a life-changing week in your lives. I'm praying for that. And it can be. And church, we ought to be praying for that as well. Oftentimes for us as Trinity Baptist Church, we're 
a church that has in the past taken teams to, to put on vacation Bible schools for other churches and to go on mission trip other places. And this week's a little bit different in the sense that we are growing in our hospitality to care for our brothers and sisters in Christ who have yielded and surrendered to serve the Lord and have come to Flushing to help us reach our community with the gospel. That's what's happening this week in Flushing, Michigan. And I ask the question again, why are we having Vacation Bible School? Why do we go on missions trips? Why do we have ladies' conference? Why will we have Harvest Fest this September? Why do we do couples retreats? Why do we take our children to camps? Why don't we just take our foot off the accelerator and coast? (laughs) Why don't we do that? Why do we do all of these things? Why do we as pastors encourage you to lead your families to, to participate and to be involved in these sort of things? Why are we putting out this kind of effort? And I think the answer to that goes back to the Great Commission in Matthew 28, where Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you all the way, even unto the end of the world. And, and I want you to know this morning that we're going to have the opportunity over the next few days um, to give the gospel to children and to give the gospel the life-changing, eternal destination-changing gospel to some people who have never heard it before. And others are all who need to hear it. There are going to be parents from our community out on Wednesday. I hope you're here. Um, we, we ought to have well over 200 people here on Wednesday. I hope you're a part of that. And I hope you're praying for it. And some people have already uh, already know Christ, and they'll be a part of it, and they're going to be encouraged. They're going to grow. This is going to be a week of growth. Decisions are going to be made for the Lord. Others are going to hear about Jesus for the very first time. Some think they have everything as true Americans, <laughs> and they have no need, while others who are going to be in our presence this week and under the teaching of the Word of God and the enjoyment of Vacation Bible School are going to come to us feeling as though they cannot face another day. And they're going to be here this week. And is there anything we can do to help them? That's the question this morning. Is there anything we can do to help them? And I I look at Luke chapter 5, and I want you to see something. It's a wonderful story a wonderful narrative, a historical event that took place. I'll begin reading in verse number 16. The Bible says this. It says, And he, Jesus, withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Verse 18, And behold, Men brought in a bed a man, which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him, this man, before Jesus. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Now, look at carefully at verse 20. When Jesus saw whose faith? The faith of the men, the friends of this man who who was paralyzed. This man could not bring himself to Jesus, but he had some friends. And they brought their friend to Jesus. And Jesus, it says there, saw their faith. And Jesus said unto the man with the palsy, man, Thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? And then he tells them what the reasoning in the next verse. Whether is it, is it, whether is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins, he said unto the sake of the palsy, I say unto thee, 
Arise and take up thy couch and go into thine house. And immediately he arose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. And that word strange means incredible or awesome things today. This is what I'm praying for this week. I'm praying, and this has been our prayer throughout this year, that, and this is what we as pastors are leading you to do. We're leading you to be a friend to those who are lame. And not just lame physically, but lame spiritually. We're leading you to to be a friend, to bring people to the one who can look at them and speak to them and say to them, thy sins be forgiven thee. Let's pray this morning and we'll look at this passage together. Father, glorify yourself, I pray, in our hearts. We've come because we love you, because you first loved us. You've brought us here. You've brought some of us here under the leadership of Pastor Hamilton and Pastor Phelps in his vision for this week. Uh, You've brought us here because we're members of this church and we're being faithful. Uh, You've brought us here, Lord, by your will. Lord, I believe we're going to see people saved this week. I believe we're going to have people who have never heard the gospel and people who need to hear the gospel here this week. And I pray that you would encourage our hearts. Father, we need to be a friend to sinners And yet, Lord, we need you to do the saving because we cannot do that. So, Lord, teach us by your word in this this narrative this morning. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I want us to see a little bit of what was happening at the time of this man's healing. Okay, this we have this paralyzed man and I've already read the passage. You know what happens. His friends bring him to Jesus and. Jesus not only heals him of his paralysis, but he heals him of his sin. He literally takes his sin away, as was sung here this morning already, this morning. And, uh, but I, wanted, I want you to see what was happening at the time of this, this salvation of this man. Now look back to verse number one, and I want you to see that Jesus had been showing himself to be God, and he was proving that through different miracles, and Look at verse number one of chapter five. It says this, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. So he was preaching. He was teaching. Jesus stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. So They were done for the day. Verse three. And Jesus entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's. We would know Simon as Peter. And Jesus prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. So more teaching from Jesus. Verse 4, Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. Now that word means a haul. Okay. Now they had just washed their nets. Uh, so how many of you, if you were fishermen, you just finished washing your nets? That does not sound like an easy task, by the way. I don't know. I, there were no net washers like dishwashers. You just put it on a deep clean cycle and it was done. So I don't know what it was like to wash a net, but mending maybe and cleaning up all the things that would have been caught in the net. So they've done that. Now Jesus says to Simon, I want you to launch out into the deep and I want you to, I want you to do it for a, for a haul of fish. Okay, I want you to go back out. And Simon, verse 5, answering, and he always does seem to answer, said unto him, Master, which means teacher, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now, I'm not going to read too much into this, but it's almost like you're the teacher. I'm the fisherman. Nevertheless, You know, we'll do what you say. But just so you know, we've toiled all night. We've caught nothing. In other words, what you're telling me to do is pointless. Okay, because I know better. Verse six. And when they had uh, this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes 
and their net break. <laughs> and they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And he changes what he calls Jesus earlier in the passage. He calls Jesus Master in verse 5. And here in verse 8, he calls Jesus Lord. And the Greek word for that, that uh, name of God, Lord, or title of God, is kurios, which means supreme authority over heaven and earth. Okay, and and he says this, verse 9, because he was astonished uh, and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes, the haul of fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. So this is Peter's calling into the ministry. Verse 11 And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. We have a lot of teenagers that are here this morning. And I speak to them, but I also speak to the other believers in this room. Maybe maybe your perspective of of God, of Lord Jesus Christ, is that he is your savior and he has secured heaven for you and that... um, you know, you love him, but um, you really have your own life in focus. That's what you're working toward, your own dreams and goals. And I, that, I think that's where Peter was to a degree. But this was a day when Peter and James and John came to a point in their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ where they literally came to a decision that they were willing to forsake everything. All of their dreams, maybe their family business, their own business, their own livelihood to follow Jesus Christ. And I believe there are, there are, there are people here this morning who you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, but you have not come to the place personally where you are willing to forsake everything to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to encourage you this morning throughout this week. As you see God work and you see God move in your heart, you, you sense his moving and his leading in your life and his challenges are brought to you. And as you serve the Lord, as God leads you, as he led James and John and Peter on this day, I encourage you as your pastor to follow the leading of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you. He will never let you down. He will always be with you. He will always guide you. And I say that not in the sense of if you follow Jesus Christ, you're never going to have a bad day. Because life is going to bring bad days. Job talked about that. He talked about as man is born unto adversity, just as the sparks of a fire fly upward. It's just going to happen. It's part of life. But I pray that there'd be some young people this week who would completely surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ and and forsake everything to follow him. And not just young people, but maybe some older people in this room. And you're a follower of Christ, but maybe at a distance. Forsake everything and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, let's look at verse number 12, and I want you to see what else happens here. And these are all things that were happening, and so they're relevant uh, look at verse number 12, and I want you to see there's a leper here, and that in those days there was no cure for leprosy at all, and Jesus was proving that he had the power of God, being God, to cleanse a man of leprosy. Look at verse number 12. And it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy. So this man, I wonder how close to death he was. He was a dead man walking, frankly who, seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him. He beseeches Jesus, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him. The Bible says, Jesus touches this leper, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him, 
And Jesus charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself, he says to the man, to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for attesting a testimony unto them. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, of Jesus, and a great multitude. Great multitudes came together to hear him and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Uh, so this is an exciting time. Uh, Peter, James, and John are called into the ministry. You have this amazing, Jesus demonstrates that he is God. Go back out in the Sea of Galilee. Put your nets in again, and you're going to, you're going to, you're going to have a haul of fish. Um, a leper comes up to Jesus and he says, uh, if you're willing to heal me, I know you can heal me. If you're willing to heal me, you can do it. And Jesus says, I will. And he reaches out and he touches the man. That was not something anybody would do in their right mind, reach out and touch a leper. But he does. He reaches out and touches the leper. He says, I will be thou healed. And he heals the leper. Leprosy. So these are amazing things that are happening. Men are leaving all to follow Jesus. Jesus is, is famous, frankly, at this time in his ministry. People are marveling at the mighty acts that he's doing. And every miracle that Jesus did fed the flames of public enthusiasm. And, and more and more people were coming to see Jesus. And, and more and more people were following him. The crowds were growing. But with the growing crowds came public a growing public criticism as well and growing hostility and growing hatred and growing opposition to Jesus. And we find Jesus now in our text and he's inside of a house and he's doing what he did so much of. And that was teach speaking. People are so many people have gathered around that they can't even all fit into the house. They're spilling out of the doors and they're looking into the windows. They're crammed into the house and, uh, and I noticed that in this, in this house, the, the crowd was diverse. You had people in the house who believed in Jesus and loved him. You'd also had people in the house who were very critical of him, but they weren't outwardly so yet. They were just inwardly critical of Jesus. Maybe you've been there before in your life. Maybe uh, you wouldn't say anything against him outwardly, but in your heart there are many doubts, many questions Maybe you find yourself criticizing the Lord Jesus Christ for how he works in your lives or maybe how he or maybe what he says. And there were some like that. Look at verse number 17. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And I want you to know this. God brought all of them there that day. God brought all of them there that day. Uh, look at verse number 18. And we find this particular man who has this need. And the Bible says, and behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before Jesus. Now, this disease, the palsy, as it's called in verse number 18, just meant that the man was paralyzed. I don't know if it was getting worse. Uh, I don't know if it if it had been like this from it been like this from a child. I don't know, but he couldn't walk, and this poor man was brought to Jesus by some friends, and Jesus gave him much more than physical healing. He could have just said, "Take up your bed and walk," but he didn't do that. He did more than that. He gave him spiritual he healing. He gave him forgiveness. Of all of his sins. Have you ever wronged somebody and they really struggled to forgive you? And that would be hard. Now, you wronged them, so that would have been hard for them to forgive you in the first place, probably, right? But, but if you've wronged someone and they just cannot forgive you, and when they see you, there's a bitterness in their eyes, or maybe a hurt, um, that that in turn can be hurtful. The, the truth is, is every person who's ever walked the face of the earth other than the Lord Jesus himself has wronged God. And the only one who can forgive us of our sins is God himself. God is the one who has to be the forgiver of our sins. And Jesus Christ gives this man the forgiveness of his sins. And only God can do that. Everybody needs it, but only God can give it in this way. 
There are going to be many children here this week who need the forgiveness of their sins. They're, they're not going to come for that reason, by the way. They're going to come because there are prizes. They're going to come because their moms told them they're coming. <laughs> okay. They're going to come because their grandmother's like, you know what? I need a break. Here, go have fun. All right. There are going to be a lot of reasons why children are going to come this week, but all of them need forgiveness of sins. Just like all of us need forgiveness of sins. And some of us have that this morning and others of us may not have that this morning. But I noticed from our text that there are three primary needs that we have if we're going to make a difference in the lives of the young people this week. And I'm going to give them to you. Number one, we need the power of God. We need the power of God. Pastor Hamilton and Steve pulled up Friday evening little after five o'clock with their group and uh, a trailer safely parked in our bus barn and full of full of decorations and, and materials to come and put on a vacation Bible school at a very high level. Um, they've done this before. Some of them they've prepared, they've worked. Um, yesterday, people came and the young people went out and passed out more invitations in our community. Others were decorating throughout the day on our property. A lot of work has gone into this, but I want you to know something. We need the power of God. We need the power of God. Many of us as Americans are, we like to prepare. We like to think about things. We like to analyze things. We like to go buy things to prepare We like to work at things to guarantee success. But you know, more than anything else, more than any of the preparation, more than any of the work, more than any of the the amounts of money that's gone into, uh, what we need more than anything else is for the power of God. The power of the Lord was present in our passage. It says that in verse number 16 and 17. Look again at verse 16. He says this, and he, Jesus, withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And then it talks in verse 17 about those people who were in the house, the Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by. People have come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. There's all kinds of people there. But look at the end of verse number 17. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. That's what we need. We need the power of the Lord Uh Paul talked about this to the church at Thessalonica in in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5 when he wrote back to them and he was reminded of when he first brought the gospel to them. He said this, he said, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. Isn't that interesting? The Apostle Paul, the Spirit of God, brings to Paul's mind. Do you remember when you were in Thessalonica? Do you remember when a lot of people trusted Christ as their Savior? Do you remember when the Word of God had free course in the lives of people? Do you remember when people got saved, Paul? And Paul did, and the Spirit of God brought it back to him, and he reminded the church of Thessalonica what happened. That Paul, when when he gave the gospel, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Paul remembers, when I preached the gospel to you, it didn't just come to you in word only. Jesus Christ loves you and he sent it, he came to die for you in your place. He became your sin and he was buried for you and he took your sins away and he rose again and he lives. And so you live as well. It's possible to give the, the gospel in word only with no power, apparently. But, but we need the power of God. It's possible to, to go through the the motions of life without the power of God. It's possible to go to work this week without the power of God. It's possible to study the word of God and preach sermons without the power of God. It's possible to work on your marriage without the power of God. It's possible to try to train up your children the way that they should go without the power of God. We need the power of God. We need the power of God. On several occasions throughout the book of Luke, we see that earnest prayer brought the power of God. And I see that in this passage. In verse 16, Jesus withdraws himself into a quiet place, into the wilderness, and he prayed. He prayed. 
When Jesus prayed at his baptism, the power of the Holy Spirit came upon his life. In Luke 5, he withdraws himself into this solitary place and the power of God comes in, comes upon him. We read several times in the Gospel of Luke about Jesus going aside to pray and in every case, something remarkable resulted. In fact, look over to chapter 6 in Luke, in verse 12. Chapter 6, in verse 12. I'll read down through verse 18. It says, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles, Simon whom he also named Peter and Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James, the sons of, the son of Alphaeus and Simon called Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. And when he came down with them and stood in the plain in the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all of Judea and Jerusalem and from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and they that were vexed were with unclean spirits, and they were healed. What do we see here? We see Jesus praying. We see the apostles called. We see people healed. We see marvelous works that are done. Listen, Jesus was a man. He was God, but he was also a man. He had human needs. He needed time to be alone with with his father. He had been working and ministering, and he... It was critically important for Jesus to take time to pray. And I wonder, and I'm reminded this morning, that we need to be spiritually prepared to do the work of the Lord. You remember when the apostles came to Jesus and uh, there was a, a fellow who was possessed by evil spirits and they couldn't cast him out. And, and Jesus was able to do that. And the, disciples, the apostles came to Jesus and said, why couldn't we do that? We've been able to do other miracles. Why can't we do that miracle? And Jesus told his apostles, he said, this type or this kind comes only by prayer and fasting. In other words, realizing that I need the power of God in my life, in my ministry. I need the power of God this week. Some of you young people are going to be teaching this week, right? Some of you taught this morning already. And, uh, and just like you, I as well, before I preach, before I teach, as I prepare, I need to come to the conclusion, I, God, you need to work. I need your power. I need you to help me understand your word. And Lord, when I stand to speak, this isn't based upon my education of the past or my preparation or my experience. The success of this sermon or the success of this event is not based upon what we've done in the past or how talented we are or, or what. No, Lord, it's dependent upon you. God, we need you. We need your power. We need you to work. Are you prepared? Have you taken time this this week to prepare for BBS? And some of us would say, well, pastor, I'm not involved. Oh, but you're a part of Trinity Baptist Church. Are you praying? Would you be a friend to some of these children? And you say, well, I'm not going to be back until Wednesday night. No, but would you be a friend to some of these children? Would you be a friend to a child who comes from a broken home, who a child who's never heard the gospel before? Would you be a friend to that child this week? Would you pray? Would you go to the Lord on their behalf? You say, I don't even know who you're talking about, Pastor Ferguson. And you know what? I don't know either. Who are they? But would, would we be a friend to that child? Would we pray that this week God would, would raise them from the dead spiritually? That God would give them eyes to see? Would you pray? In Matthew 6 and verse 6, Jesus taught his disciples, he said, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Take time this week to get alone with God. Pastor Scott, I have never forgotten about our time in New York City. And we, as we would go from place to place in New York City in a, a van full of teenagers, and uh, we'd go from one meeting to another meeting, um, Brother Williams taught us to pray. And we would pray around the van. We would just keep praying around the van. And if we prayed all the way through all the teens, short prayers on our way to the next stop, 
And you can just imagine this. You're in New York City and you're from Flushing, Michigan. So you haven't seen things like that before. So the temptation is to be like peeking and looking around. You know, you want to see. Um, but we, we got in the discipline of praying as we would go to the next meeting. And sometimes to this day, as I will be find myself driving to a place, uh, maybe for a funeral or, or like to a graveside or maybe to make a visit or something like that, I find myself praying that God would bless what's about to take place. Now, we could incorporate that into our lives as you're driving to work, as you're on the commute. Be in prayer. Be in prayer. Look to the Lord in prayer. Get alone with the Lord. In Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus tells us that all power is given unto him in heaven and in earth. And he tells us in Matthew 7, in verse 7, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Listen, God wants to hear from us this week. He wants to hear from us. We need his power. Number two, we need the faith of some. We need the faith of some. It says in in these verses that when Jesus saw their faith, the faith of some was evident. Look at verse number 18. He says this, And behold, men brought in a bed, a man, which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And we've talked about these friends already to a little degree, so I won't take much time with this, but they had a love for this man. And they had a confidence in the Lord. They knew that if they could bring their friend to Jesus, that Jesus could heal him. They knew that. Now, I want, I want to notice here in verse number 19 that there was opposition to what they wanted to do. They, want, they had good intentions. They wanted to do the right thing. They wanted to bring their friend to Jesus so Jesus could heal their friend. But you can imagine, they go to his house, they find something to carry him on, they bring him all the way to Jesus, but they can't get him to Jesus. Look at verse number eight, verse number 19. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and led him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. I want to tell you, if you're going to bring a young person to VBS, you don't have to tear open the roof. Okay, we'll unlock the door for you. You can bring them right in, all right? Um, but, but on this day, with this, these friends and this man who couldn't walk, uh, they came, and, and there's the house, and there's just crowds of people all around it. You, and, and you can imagine these crowds. These crowds, did they care about this man with the palsy, yes or no? They didn't care. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? These crowds came to see Jesus heal people. I mean, you would have thought just from a carnal, fleshly attitude, they would have said, here, let's step out of the way and see what Jesus can do with this guy. But they're so selfish, they're not even willing to let him through. And, 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 and yet these friends, they're not dissuaded, and they find a way up onto the rooftop, and they begin to pry open the tiles, and uh, my mind goes back to those pictures in our Sunday school lessons. I don't know how it exactly looked, but they lowered this man down in front of Jesus through the roof to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when I think about a vacation Bible school and all the work that goes into it, I think about a team going to Peru and every one of you take, saving money to, to pay money to go on a missions trip. And taking time away from doing other things that you would enjoy doing. And I think about you, many of you, helping support young people to go to camp so they can hear the word of God. And I ask, I ask us this morning, well, what is the point? This is the point. It's us saying, you know what, there are other things we could do with our money. There are other things we could do with our time. But we want to help people come to Jesus. Because if we know that if they can be brought to the Lord, if they can be presented with the word of God, we know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We know that if Jesus will say, uh, is willing to save them or, excuse me, is willing to heal them like he was willing to heal the leper, we know that he can. We, we just want to bring people to the Lord that they might have the opportunity to be born again. He says when, they, when he saw their faith, I've seen evidence of faith in you over the past months. 
I've seen evidence of faith over the last week when you came out to the revival meetings. Those are some of the best attended revival meetings I've ever seen in my life. Sunday through Wednesday, you all came. And why? It wasn't because you had nothing better to do or, or other things you could have done. It was because you love this book and you love the Lord and you appreciate the gift of the evangelist that God has given to us and you came out to hear. That's an evidence of faith. When I think of the team going to Peru, that's an evidence of faith. When I think of you coming this morning, it's an evidence of faith. It's an evidence of faith. And he saw their faith. A definition of faith, I think, that is a good workable definition is taking God at his word. God said it. I'm going to take him at his word. I don't know how that's going to work out, but I'm I'm going to trust him. That's faith. And we understand that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Romans tells us that. God-pleasing faith begins when we realize that we're insufficient to fix the problem. We can't save ourselves. Uh, Back in verses 12 and 13, we see this in the life of the leper. Look there. And it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt... If you're willing to heal me, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand, touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. The leper knew that Jesus was sufficient. God, you you can save me. But, But whose faith did Jesus notice in the situation of this crippled man? It was the faith of those who brought the crippled man that Jesus saw. The Bible doesn't say that Jesus looked at the crippled man's faith and says, I see your faith. The Bible says that he looked at the friends who brought the crippled man and he saw their faith. I think there's some application to people who, missionaries, who are willing to go to a foreign field I think Jesus sees their faith. I think I, I see application when people are willing to, to give. Jesus sees their faith. When people respond to his word, Jesus sees their faith. And Jesus saw the faith of these men. He saw their faith. And I dare say that most of the children coming to Vacation Bible School are not going to be looking for God to do a mighty work in their lives. That's not why they're coming. One of my children will be attending VBS. I don't know if he's thinking, God, I want you to do a great work in my life this week. He's probably thinking, I want to win a lot of prizes. I want to win a lot of games and I want to have a blast. OK, but you and I, uh, we are who are older in the Lord. We say we want him to have a great time. But Lord, would you work in his life mightily through your word this week through Vacation Bible School? Faith comes in different sizes. The Bible teaches us this. In Luke 17, the Bible says, And the Lord said, If you had faith as a grain of a, of a mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. The leper had enough faith to say, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst. He didn't have enough faith to be sure that Jesus would heal him, but he did have enough faith to believe that Jesus could heal him. We don't know anything about this crippled man's faith, but we, we, can, we know that the faith of his friends impressed Jesus. It took faith to do what they did to get him to Jesus. They open up the roof, right? They bring him. They, they're not dissuaded. They, per, they persevere in bringing him to the Lord. And I want you to know this. If you act on God's word in obedience, you have faith. When God speaks to you by his spirit and through his word, when you yield to the leading, the, the teaching of the word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life, it's faith. That's faith. And Hebrews says that faith pleases God. God is pleased when you and I act in obedience to his word. In Hebrews 11 and verse 6, the Bible says that he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 
And so I ask you, what have you prayed about this week? Have you prayed for your marriage? You say, Pastor, I have no hope for my marriage. But did you pray? Because there's a measure of faith in that. Did you pray for your children this week? You say, Pastor, I'm really concerned about my children. They're not walking with the Lord. They don't love God. I'm really fearful for my children. Did you pray for them this week? Because there's a measure of faith in prayer. And you say, Pastor, it may not. I don't I don't have a lot of faith. My faith is not strong enough. My faith is not enough. Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed, so very, very small, what seems to be almost nothing. Have you come to God at all this week in prayer? And maybe with shame, you lower your head and you regretfully think, yeah, but I only came once. And I say to you, then praise the Lord that you came once. Praise the Lord that you evidence some faith. And let's build upon that faith. Pray again. Seek the Lord again. Let's ask God to build our faith. I'm going to give you one more need that we have this week and we'll be done. Number one, we need the power of God. Number two, we need the faith of some. And lastly, we need the forgiveness of sins. We need the forgiveness of sins. Now, this is something that only God can do. In verse 20, the latter part, it says that he says to the the man with the palsy, thy sins are forgiven. It really is an incredible miracle that Jesus could make a lame man walk again, isn't it? I mean, that's incredible. But it is more incredible that he could forgive sins. Before doing anything about the palsied man's paralyzed legs, Jesus did something about his sins. Psalm 103 and verse 3 says, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Psalm 130 and verse 4 says, But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Can any of us here forgive the sins of another? And we can forgive another person for sinning against us, but can we forgive them in the sense of, can we take away their sins from them? Can we take away their guilt? Uh, Only God can do that. God alone can forgive sins. From the moment sin entered into the world, God has always been interested in forgiving men of their sins. I believe the one, that one of the reasons Christ forgave this paralyzed man's sins before he healed his body was to show that the salvation of a man's soul is more important than the healing of his body. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus left a place where people were needing healing, physical healing, in order to go to a place to teach and preach the word of God. And he says there in verse 43 that he was sent by God to preach. His main work was preaching the word of God. The Apostle Paul's mission as he spoke to King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26 was to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Jesus' primary reason for being on this earth was to heal souls rather than bodies. Physical healing is temporary while the salvation of the soul is eternal. God wants to forgive sins this week. Forgive sins. He wants to take them as far away as the east is from the west. He wants to bury them in the depths of the deepest sea. He wants to take young people who are overwhelmed with guilt, even as children, and shame. And he wants them to know that they are forgiven. And that he loves them and that he they are accepted in him and that they are one of his children now because he has saved them. I mean, this is this is miraculous. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Ferguson, how how can I be forgiven? In Ephesians chapter one, the Bible says in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to his grace. How can a person be forgiven And that begins by you admitting that you are a sinner. Take responsibility. I have sinned. I have sinned against the Lord. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So take responsibility. Acknowledge that you're a sinner. And then ask, or I should say agree with God's punishment for your sin. The wages of sin is death. Separation from God. And then ask God to do what you know in your heart he shouldn't have to do. Ask him to save you from your sin. Ask him. Call unto him.
ask him to forgive you of your sins, and the Bible says that he will. Put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of you are saved in this room this morning. You know the Lord. You've been forgiven of your sin. Could I encourage you this morning, as you we, we talked about we, us needing the power of God, could I encourage you this morning to take responsibility, maybe in your heart and your life, where you have wandered away from the Lord and confess sin to him? First John 1 John 1.9 talks about that. If we confess our sin, agree with God about our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Agree with God, repent, turn away from that sin. And then we talked about it praying, prayer. He saw the faith of some and, and, and power. the power of God comes through prayer. And so pray for God to work mightily this week. Could I invite you as believers to do that? Would you partner with me this week in praying for the Colonial Hills Baptist uh, ministry team that's with us? For our, for our Vacation Bible School, for Trinity Baptist Church as a whole, would you take time every day this week, Sunday through Wednesday, to pray for this Vacation Bible School? And then, for those of you who are involved, and I mean, like you're going to be here, the Colonial Hills Group, you're, you, the men, the guys live here. They're living here, okay? They don't get to leave hardly, you know? So you're here. You're here for everything, Um. Pastor Hamilton has asked us, hey, do you have any work for us, for my team to do around the property? You know, and Pastor Phelps keeps coming to me and saying, what do you, do you have a list? We need a list, you know. So this team has come to serve us. And so you're going to be serving. Can I encourage you, serve the Lord with gladness. I've seen enthusiasm. It's obvious you guys like each other. and I'm really glad to see that. But serve the Lord with gladness. Uh, Colossians Paul wrote to a group of people who are part of that church who were slaves. And he said, whatsoever you do, do it heartily with all of your heart as unto the Lord and not unto men. He didn't say go to work because they're paying you well. He didn't say go to the work, go go to your job the next day because you like your job. He was talking to slaves. He said, go in there and do the best of your ability like you're serving God, even though you're owned by somebody else. Serve God. And in this week, Trinity Baptist Church, if you're involved in Vacation Bible School at all, come to serve the Lord with gladness. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes.